0: Hey, Victory family. Have you ever had something that you just knew you would never do? Like a line in the sand that you said that you would never cross, but then you crossed it. Have you ever said to yourself, I will never be that person but then you wake up one morning and you look at yourself in the mirror and you don't realize when you became that person. Have you ever vowed before God, like, God, I will, I, I, again and again and again, I will never do that sin ever again. And then you know what you did? You did that sin again, right? Maybe you got saved on Sunday but then on Monday you fully realized that you were still fully capable of sinning again. And now you're left with this like flood of emotion of I have betrayed Jesus. Right, like I was forgiven by the mercy and by the grace of God that my sins were were pinned to Jesus Christ. Now I did it again. Woe is me. Because there is nothing more real than the sadness on the other side of sin. And the reality is, guys, some of us today, we're wearing a really nice church face. Right? Right? Like, we walk in here, and we're like, praise the loud. That's how you know you're spiritual. You don't do O-R, you do A-W, right? Praise the loud, P-T-L, praise the loud. That church face is really secret. Praise the, I'm blessed and highly favored. Favor ain't fair. I am forgiven, and I am free, but inside, We're saying, I'm afraid. I honestly don't know if I'm going to heaven. I know I'm not good enough. And I know that God can forgive everybody else's sins. I've heard enough sermons to know that God can forgive everybody else's sins. I don't think God can forgive mine because I did the unthinkable, and I did it again. And the last thing I did before I got out of my car this morning was I put on the church face. But on the inside, maybe we can agree with David who felt this, Psalm 51.3, He says, God, I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight and you will be proved right in what you say and your judgment against me is just. What he's saying is, I know I've got a smile on my face. I know I just lifted my hands and I worship with the best of them, but on the inside, I'm a failure, And I deserve everything that's coming my way. And for those today who are wondering how God could ever do anything with your immense, repeated, again and again failure, I wanna introduce you to somebody who might help you a little bit on your journey. And his name is Simon. And Simon was a fisherman. And one day, Jesus came along while Simon was fishing. He said, Simon, come and follow me. And crazily, Simon actually leaves his entire world behind, and he goes to follow Jesus. Simon's the one who walks on water with Jesus. Simon's the one that when Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Simon says, who do you? I say that you are the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus kind of takes a step back and is like, whoa, Peter. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven, you didn't come up with that on your own. In fact, right now in this moment, I'm changing your name. What you just said is so powerful. No longer are you Simon. Now you are Peter, which means rock. And Peter, you're gonna be a rock. And on the rock of the proclamation that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that's where God is gonna build the church. Big deal. Jesus takes this no-name fisherman and says, hey, you're actually going to be the central leadership figure in the church that I'm building. And Peter's writing, hi, man, for like 10 minutes. (laughs) You can go look it up because in the next paragraph, Jesus, I mean, Peter tries to keep Jesus from going to the cross. He's like, no, 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 Jesus, remember, I got this whole thing figured, flesh and blood, hasn't, remember, remember, like, I know what's going on, you're not gonna die, you're not gonna go to the cross, and Jesus is like, get thee behind me, Satan. You're talking like the devil, Peter, why? Because that's just who Peter was. Peter was the bold guy. Peter was the audacious guy. Peter was the guy who lived with his foot in his mouth because he was always gonna be the one who speaks first. He's the one who gets out of the boat and walks on the water. Peter's the bold one. He's the one who spoke up when everybody else is silent. He's he's the unofficial number two leader of the group. Peter was not just a disciple. Peter was the disciple. And that's why nobody saw it coming except for Jesus, Mark 14, verse 27. On the way to the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus told them, he said, all of you will desert me. For the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. And Peter, (laughs) audacious Peter, Peter said, Jesus, even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. Look at me, Jesus, I'm gonna be right by your side to the very end, right or die. And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter declared emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the others vowed the same. Have you ever had something you just knew that you would never do. Like this line in the sand that you said you would never cross. But then you crossed it. Because it's there in the garden of Gethsemane that Peter falls asleep. When he knows in his heart of hearts, I need to be there supporting Jesus because it's kind of like, I'm like the leader of the group over here, right? Like I need to be there. And he, the only time he wakes up is when the Roman soldiers are there to arrest Jesus. Peter wakes up like in zombie sleep, pulls out a sword and chops the dude's ear off. Now here's the note, here's the observation. Nobody aims for the ear. Come on. Peter's trying to chop this dude's head off. And the guy was like, whoop, right? Like he ducked at the last second. Because that's who Peter is. And Jesus is like, whoa, Peter. First off, he picks up the ear and does like supernatural super glue. Right? Puts it back on the guy. And he's like, Peter, put up your sword. This isn't how we're gonna win this war. Come on, somebody, because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't win with swords. And Peter's so confused, he's disoriented. What he does, he kind of disguises himself a little bit, pulls up his cloak a little bit, and he follows the mob into Jerusalem to the, high, to the courts of the high priest, Caiaphas. And it's there that he sits at a fire. Very important, he sits at a fire in the courtyard as Jesus' is kind of like mock trial is going on. And just a few minutes later, this little girl walks up and is like, wait a second, I know you. You're, you're, one of, you're one of his disciples. You're one of the followers. And Peter's like, no, 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 that's not me. In fact, Peter's so obsessed with denying that he's a follower that he doesn't even realize that the rooster just crowed the first time. Just a few minutes later, she walks up and is like, no, 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 really. Like, I saw you with Jesus. He's like, No, I don't know what you're talking about. And then at this point, all the whole group around the fire is like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. You don't have an accent that says you're from Jerusalem. You actually have an accent that says you're from Galilee. And isn't that where that Jesus guy's from? You're definitely one of the followers. And Peter's terrified. He's afraid to die. And scripture actually says, he begins calling curses down upon himself. He is saying, may I be cursed if I know this wretched man. And the rooster crows the second time. And in the midst of Jesus' mock trial, Jesus turns and he makes eye contact with Peter over at the fire. And Peter realizes what's just happened. And he stands up and he runs away weeping. And Jesus is tortured and is murdered. And Peter isn't there. have you ever had something you just knew you would never do? Like this line in the sand that you said you would never cross. And you crossed it. Peter did. In fact, I was thinking about it. If we could kind of like take a step back from the reality of what Peter did and just kind of take a glance at Peter's tweets for the week. What would they look like? In the garden of Gethsemane slept, cut dude's ear off. Jesus said, put up your sword. Ah, Humiliated again. Said I would die with Jesus, but I denied knowing him three times, hashtag liar, liar. I hate myself. Rabbi crucified, I ran away. I've never cried so much, so confused. I could never recover from this mistake. Time to go back to fishing. <laughs> I'm a failure. And we find Peter where we first found him, fishing in Galilee. Peter returned back to what he knew In a sense, Peter reverted back to being Simon again because he didn't think he was worthy of the name that Jesus had given him because he's betrayed his friends. He's betrayed his savior. And he's betrayed his mission. Think about this. Peter betrayed his community. Peter betrayed Christ. And Peter betrayed his calling. And the question, kind of like when we look at this string of events is how in the world could anybody ever come back from that? How can you ever recover from something like that? I'll tell you how you can recover from something like that. You might already know the answer. Sunday, Sunday is how you recover from something like that because on Sunday, the stone rolls away and Jesus resurrects from the dead. And now if death is dead and our enemy is defeated and sin is conquered and Jesus is alive, then now all things are possible with God. Come on, all things are possible with God, that our God is in the restoration business. What Jesus does best is putting the broken pieces back together again. The living Jesus specializes in taking our brokenness, our brokenness between us and our friends and us and himself and us and our mission and restoring it all. And he did it for Peter and he can do it for every single one of us. And here's what he does. Here's here's the restoration process in this story. Here's the first thing he does. Jesus restores us back to community. Jesus restores us back to community. Here's the idea, guys, is when we sin like Big time in the sense of like the the, the the sin that persists, the sin that doesn't leave us. You know what I'm talking about. Like sometimes we do sins and, and, and we receive that forgiveness and we just keep moving forward. Other times we get stuck. That weight comes upon our shoulders and we just can't keep moving. When, when we enter into that sort of sin, what happens is this narrative begins in our mind. The enemy begins whispering in that you're not worthy to be around God or God's people. Therefore, what I should do is run away and hide. That's what Adam and Eve did in the garden. And that's what Judas did. And then the enemy took him out because that's what condemnation does. Condemnation tells you you're not worthy and you could never recover from this. In fact, if anybody actually found out the real you, they would reject you, so you just need to keep everybody at arm's distance. And listen, maybe you've been in church long enough to know this, I know I have, that I've seen the people, that they sin, the enemy begins the narrative, they think everybody knows, and what the enemy says is, you should just reject yourself before they can reject you. So what I'm gonna do is, I'm gonna take a break. Anybody know anybody who's taken a break? But here's what happens with Peter. John 21, two, they're going fishing. Simon, Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, not doubting Thomas, he was known as Didymus. Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, which is James and John, and the two other disciples were together. And Peter says, I'm going out to fish. And they said, we will go with you. Don't miss it. We will go with you with you. They knew what Peter had done. It was no secret. They knew the shame. They knew what he had gone through. They knew that Peter was hanging on by a thread. And here's the deal. Listen, they had already lost Judas. They had already lost one friend. So they said, listen, guys, we're not going to lose another. And in a sense, they're saying with me, it's almost like they put Peter on suicide watch. And so they said, no, no, Peter, you're not going by yourself. We will Go with you. Come on, Midtown. Come on, Hamilton Mill. Come online. Who Who would want to be a part of a church like that? Come on, that when you fall and when you fail, that your community doesn't reject you, doesn't push you away, doesn't let you drift off into depressed isolation, but they actually say, no, we will go with you. But here's the reality, guys. I can't create that church. We create that church. Now, come on, listen, listen. It is not one person's job to create that church. We create that church. We create that church in the way that we have each other's backs. We create that church in the way that we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We create that church in the way that I don't have small group every third Wednesday of every leap year, right? (laughs) but like small group actually becomes family. We create that church in the way that we're quick to forgive and the way that we're quick to restore. We create that type of church when we linger after service. When we're not like, I gotta beat the Baptist to lunch. (laughs) Right, drive over to the restaurant. No, when we linger and we meet somebody new and we go hang out in the cafe and we go take new people to lunch, we're the ones who create that type of church when we have a culture of, I will go with you. And we create that church, listen, when you are willing to take the church face off and be open and be vulnerable, even to the point of sitting down with somebody and saying, I did it again. And I honestly don't think God loves me anymore. When was the last time you told somebody that? That level of vulnerability, that level of honor. Listen, this is James 5.16, which is confess your sins one to another so you can be healed. Listen, it doesn't say confess your sins one to another so you can be forgiven. That's God's job. We confess to each other so we can be healed, so we can be restored back to each other. So there's not these, this chasm of hidden secret sin that we're hiding behind and we put the face on. We create that type of church when we become real people with each other. And so Peter lets his friends come fishing with him. And wouldn't you know it, They catch nothing. (laughs) Nothing. Here's what I've discovered. Sometimes it's not about catching fish. It's simply about who you're fishing with. See, Peter needed this. Peter desperately needed his friends. And I want you to notice what happens. In the context of community, the resurrected Jesus shows up. I want you to imagine the scene with me, okay? Peter and the other disciples are out fishing. And Jesus calls out to them. And Peter, from 100 yards out, he recognizes that it's Jesus. And Peter does what Peter does best. Peter jumps out of the boat and swims in because he's so excited to see Jesus. In fact, he's so excited that he doesn't realize that the two of them haven't talked, like really talked, since Peter betrayed him. And Jesus and Peter reunite by a fire, right on the shoreline. The early morning birds are chirping. Jesus is cooking breakfast. And Peter's guilt and shame is sitting on his shoulders with the weight of an elephant.
1: Peter, it is so
2: good to see you. It's good to see you too. (laughs) Everyone is talking about you wherever I go. Oh, really? Yeah. What are they saying? Well, some people are saying that you're really still dead and we stole your body to keep the movement going. (laughs) And some are saying that you are the Messiah and people are asking what's next. And some, some don't know what to believe. Huh. So what about you?
1: Huh? What do you believe?
2: I, I mean, you're here. Sitting in front of me. Yeah. So then, now what? I I was hoping you would tell us. (laughs) We really don't know what to do right now. Is that why you came back to Galilee? I don't know. (laughs) I guess it just made sense to come back here? (sighs) Jesus. I just want to say I'm sorry. I was so scared and I was caught up in the moment of everything that was going on and I... I didn't even really mean to. I mean, I I just wanted to stay close. And people started recognizing me and asking questions. And I was alone and afraid and I didn't want to die. And now you're here and I really don't know what to say. Peter. I should have been your one, I should have been the one. It's okay.
1: What you did, it didn't surprise me. What? Peter, I knew you before I met you. I gave you your name. I know who you are, who you really are. I mean, your failures, they don't scare me because I can see the full picture of you. And even more
2: importantly, I know your heart. (laughs) I don't even know if I know my heart right now. Well, that's why I'm here. I really messed up, Jesus. And if I'm being honest, I don't even recognize the person that I've become. I don't know if I have the strength to follow you. Peter,
1: I'm not asking for your strength. I never was.
2: So, so what are you asking for?
1: Peter, do you love me?
0: I've stood on this beach... In Capernaum, twice on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, longing to be a fly on the wall for this conversation, where Jesus basically asks Peter, After all you've done, do you still love? And what Jesus is doing in this interaction is he's restoring Peter to himself. Because this is what God does. God restores us to community, and then he restores us to Christ. And how this interaction between Jesus and Peter actually goes in the text is this, in John 21, verse 15. It says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son, of John, do you love me more than these? Now, here's the deal. Don't don't just rush past this because the question, obviously, is who are these? And the other disciples are there. And what, what Jesus is actually doing is saying, Peter, do you really actually still think that you love me more than everybody else? Right, because remember, you were the one who was louder than everybody else saying that you said that you would never leave me, but you were the first one to leave me. And what he's saying is this, what he's saying, he's attacking the spiritual pride inside Peter. And he's saying, Peter, for so long, you have relied on your strength. What's gonna happen when you encounter your weakness? Are you gonna run away and hide? Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord. Peter said, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And then the third time, listen, listen, have you ever been in a situation where you were like right on the brink? Come on, like, don't nobody look at me? Don't nobody talk to me. Don't nobody ask me a question because I'm about to lose it, right? Like I just, I like the tears are like, right, right? You know, you're like, (laughs) like you're, this is what's going on. Because Peter, Jesus isn't letting Peter off the hook. He's saying, Peter, do you really love me? Says Peter was hurt. I want to take that, expand that. Peter was broken. Not because Jesus asked a third time, but because Jesus wouldn't leave Peter alone. Listen, have you ever been there before where you're just like, God, I don't, I don't want to go back there because I don't want to think about it. It would just be easier if I could just come into church late and sit in the back row and we just, we just have acknowledged distance because of what I've done, because I've denied you. I've, I've made a mockery of the cross again. I've drawn the line and I stepped over it again. Can we just not talk about this right now? But Jesus says, do you love me a third time? Peter's broken. He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus says, feed my sheep. Here's a question. Where did Peter reject Jesus? John 18 says it was at a charcoal fire, specific language, charcoal fire. Where did Jesus restore Peter? John 21 tells us, a char coal fire. And in a sense, what Jesus is doing, he's taking Peter back to the place of the sin. And he's saying, we've got to deal with this, Peter. What he's saying is, Peter, I love you too much to have you live the rest of your life in shame and guilt and condemnation and sitting in the back because, Peter, I have too much plan for your life for you to wallow in pity and shame and getting taken out by the enemy. So we're gonna sit here at this fire and we're gonna deal with it. Jesus says, Peter, I love you. Because listen, think about Pavlov's dogs. Think about every time Peter heard a rooster crow. Every time Peter sat down at a fire, he goes straight back What I did, what I did, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm just Simon now. I'm just Simon now. And Jesus says, I love you too much to let you live like that. So we're gonna sit here at this fire and we're gonna deal with it. Not to shame you, but to heal you. We gotta go back. And listen, I think sometimes, I was really praying on this. I think sometimes we either need to physically or figuratively go back to that place of betrayal, back to that place of hurt, back to that place of shame. And just a few years ago, um, Summer and I were in Texas on a trip. And I don't know why, just God did something on the inside of me and what we did. We drove into the parking lot of my old elementary school to the place where I had my first kiss and we redeemed it. Because my first kiss was terrible. So bad. It's a different sermon. But I think sometimes if you can, you need to go back to that place of brokenness and let God heal it Listen, I was feeling this specifically. Some of you, when we're done today, you need to pull out your phone because you've been trapped in addiction to pornography or whatever wickedness has been coming through that. And you need to look at that phone and say, all right, Jesus, where do we go from here? I felt this specifically. Some of you, if you're able, you need to get in your car and you need to literally drive back to the place where you were abused. In a safe way. park on the street, park outside that club, go, go outside that house, whatever that is, and say, God, I'm gonna sit here at this fire. I'm not gonna let you look me in the eyes because I'm tired of living under the elephant of the shame of what happened here. And I'm not gonna live like this any longer. I'm gonna let you set me free. And as Peter sits there at that fire with Jesus, guilty and ashamed and condemned, feeling worthless, feeling a million miles away from God. Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? Here's the question. How many times did Peter betray Jesus? For every rejection, Jesus has a restoration. For every single rejection, Jesus has a restoration. Listen, Jesus did not look at Peter and say, Peter, all right, dude, I can, I can understand the first two, but by the third time, you should have learned your lesson. Notice there's a theme going on here. No, so I, I can forgive the first two, but you're gonna have to work back the third one. No, Jesus looks at Peter and says, listen, Peter, my blood is sufficient to cover over every single failure you will ever encounter in your entire life. And something beautiful is happening right here underneath the text that's too easy to miss, okay, in, in Greek, in the, which is the language of the New Testament, There's actually several words for love. In the English, we really only have one word for love, so we can kind of miss some of the nuance that's going on here. And so if I kind of strip John 21 down to the questions, here's, here's what's happening. Jesus asked Peter, do you agape me? Now listen, agape is big love. This is John three sixteen. for God so agaped the world that he gave us Jesus Christ. So Jesus asked Peter, hey, Peter, do you agape me? And Peter replies, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. Phileo means brotherly love. Right, this is, this is intimate love, this is brotherly love, but this is Philadelphia, right, city of brotherly love. Phila, this is Phila, that Peter is saying, yes, Jesus, I love you like family. And Jesus asks again, no, no, Peter, maybe you didn't hear me, do you agape me? Do you love me with a love that's worthy of loving God? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you like a brother. What Peter is saying is, Jesus, I'm giving you all I got. I don't know how to love that big. I don't know how to love that strong. I don't know how to love like you do. But I'm going to give you all I got. And what's so beautiful here is that Jesus doesn't come back and he's like, all right, Peter, here's, here's the deal. Well, since you can't love me, the way that I'm worthy of being loved, I'm gonna go ahead and just push you away. I'm done with you. No, actually what Jesus does, he steps down into Peter's world and he uses Peter's language. And he says, Peter, do you follow me? Peter says, Jesus, you know I do. And what Jesus is saying is, Peter, if I have your yes, that's enough to work with. Because Peter, if I have your yes, and if you stick with me long enough, then your love for me will grow and it'll mature and it'll become vibrant to the point that your life will line up with your love. Peter, do you love me? And Jesus takes this man who crossed a line that he said that he would never cross who's 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 racked with guilt and shame and condemnation who feels like God is a million miles away and what he does is he gives Peter new glasses to see his life through. Come on, he gives Peter new glasses. He says, "Peter, up until now you've been viewing your life through the lens of your sin. So whenever you think about me, you think I'm not worthy." I've done too much. I'm not worthy of your love. I'm not worthy of heaven. And in a sense, Jesus is looking at him right there and is like, you're actually kind of right. Because Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53, six, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own yet. Come on, somebody say Yet. Come on, Midtown. Come on, Hamilton Mill. Yet. Come on, online, in your living room. Yet. The Lord has laid on him the sins of us All We have all sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. We have all wandered. We have all gone astray. But the good news is, yet God has laid on Jesus the sins of us all. It's not that some of us had all of our sins forgiven and some of us had some of our sins forgiven. No, all of us have had all of our sins forgiven because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. You are free. God loves you. You're his friend. Come on, guys. Forgiven sinners should be the happiest people on the face of the earth. Not walking around judging all the other sinners, but just walking around being like, I can't believe it. Look at what God's done in my life. Because my heart will never die before God again. I am crucified with Christ. I am a new creation. Behold, the old things have gone. The new things have come. And now Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now. What's locked up in the now? Now that Jesus went to the cross. Now that Jesus bled out for sin. Now that Jesus was buried. Now that Jesus defeated hell. Now that Jesus rose again. Now that Jesus is alive. Now that Jesus ascended into heaven is sitting at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty ruling and reigning over our past, our present, and our future, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And those are the new glasses that Jesus gives Peter. Those are the new glasses that no longer do we have to view our life through the lens of our sin, we can view our life through the lens of God's Son, that I am not defined by my failures, I'm defined by his victory. Come on, somebody. And what I want, what we want, is for our entire theology to be cruciform. That means my entire life is wrapped around the cross. My past, my present, my future. If, if, the, if you could take a look at the totality of my life, it is wrapped around the cross that every part of me is defined not by what I've done, but because of what he has done. That is it. Saved by grace through faith or else we could brag about it. And it's in Jesus, listen, it's in the cross where the Father's hand reaches down vertically and our hand reaches out horizontally and we meet in Jesus. We meet in Jesus, all glory to Jesus. We are restored to God through Jesus Christ. So now we can stop sitting here beating ourselves up all day over our sins. Why? Because Jesus was already beaten for our sins. And so I don't have to have a pity party. I don't have to wallow in it. The greatest way, listen, the greatest way that I can glorify God, the greatest way that I can say thank you to Jesus is to actually believe that I am who he says that I am and I can do what he said that I can do and to walk in the victory that he has purchased for me. And that every time I fall down, though a righteous man falls seven times, he gets back up every single time. I don't have to sit in that because Jesus has already paid for that. I'm not, listen, I am not minimizing what Jesus did. I am maximizing what Jesus did because he's already paid for it. So I don't have to pay for it again. Could the church of Jesus get their minds around this? That you don't have to pay for your sin any longer because Jesus already did. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Jesus is jackhammering at that concrete on Peter's heart of shame, and condemnation, and a broken identity, and I could never, and I'll never again, and I failed, and I I could never move past this, and I've crossed that line again, and go, oh God, whoa, woe is me. No, he's wearing him down as he asked time and time again, Peter, do you really love me?
1: Peter. Do you love me completely? Lord, (laughs) you know I love you like family. Then teach people about me. You've seen me, and you know me. And everyone else out there needs to know me like you know me. Peter, Do you love me with a divine love? Yes, Lord. You know, I love you like a brother. Then care for people the way that I cared for you. Peter. Do you love me like a brother?
2: Jesus. You know everything. (sighs) You do know I really love you.
1: Then lead my people the way I led you. I will build my church on the word of your testimony about me, that I am the Messiah, the one who saves that. That is what I will build this rock upon. Hmm? Look, you're gonna have to come face to face with the reality that just because you follow me, doesn't mean that you're not gonna mess up. And that's fine. I'm not asking you or calling you to be consumed with do's and don'ts. I'm calling you to be consumed with me. Right. And look, you'll mess up plenty of times in the future, and that's cool, because every time you fall, I'm going to be right there to catch you. So keep your eyes on me, okay? Look, Peter, I, I want your heart I want you to boldly be everything that I created you to be. The man that jumps into the water and swims. The one who courageously chases after me. The one who boldly proclaimed to all people that you know who I am. That's what it means for you to follow me. Look, all of your screw-ups of the past... All of your mess-ups of the future, those have been forgiven. Yeah. I want your heart. I want every fiber of your being inside and out, your life to say yes to me. Peter, Follow me again.
0: And if you know the story, Peter did follow Jesus until his final breath. And just a few weeks later, actually, this timid, Guy who is afraid of a girl asking him if he knew Jesus actually stood up and preached to the entire city of Jerusalem. 3,000 people get saved. The early church is born, and Peter courageously leads this infant startup church through its most difficult trying days to the point that at the very end, Peter is crucified upside down because he says, I'm not worthy to die like Jesus did. And it all comes back to this moment with Jesus sitting, Peter sitting with the, with the God of second chances. I'm saying, come, follow me again. Because to every person who feels unusable, unworthy, unloved, unrescuable, Peter's the reminder. That all things are possible with God. And it's here in this final scene that Jesus restores Peter to his calling. We're restored to community, we're restored to Christ, and we're restored to calling. Because behind each Peter, do you love me? There's the answer feed my sheep, shepherd my lambs. What Jesus is saying, listen, what Jesus is saying is, Peter, If you love me, do what I've called you to do. Peter, if you love me, do... do. This is emancipating greatness, guys. What Jesus is trying to say is, I wanna heal you and restore you to the place where you can actually be who I've called you to be and to do what I've called you to do. And what Jesus does, listen, this is so crucial. Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, you failed, but that doesn't mean you're a failure. Your behavior and your identity are two different things. Because when I am found in Christ, that's my identity. My sin is not my identity any longer. That when I fail, I am not cast out. I am not cast aside. I am not thrown into the trash heap. I am not unreconcilable. I can be restored to community. I can be restored to Christ, and I can be restored even to my calling. Because when Jesus gets a hold of you guys, maybe you've you've experienced this. When Jesus gets a hold of you, Jesus can turn your mess into ministry. What he does, he takes you going through your marriage mess. And if you can come out alive on the other side, reconciled with Christ and to each other, what God does is he takes that, heals that, makes it your calling, turns you around and sends you back into other people's mess as your ministry. And what God can do is he can take you out of your addiction and rescue you and redeem you and restore you and heal you and then send you back in to help other people get free. And that's what he does with Peter. He takes this guy who's afraid of a little girl saying, aren't you a disciple? No, no, no. And he takes him and he makes him the boldest preacher in the baby church. (laughs) That's what he did with me. I was terrified of talking about Jesus. Now you see what happens. Careful what you say that you'll never do. Because all things are possible with God. And this is why the devil wants to isolate you and take you out. Because he knows that if Jesus can restore you back to himself and then back to community and back to your calling, then God can take what the enemy meant for evil and he can work it together for your good and the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for you. That God can take your test and turn it into your testimony. God can take your mess and turn it into your mission field. And God can take your catastrophe and turn it into his victory. Because that's the type of God that we have. And here's the reality. Here in this room, at Hamilton Mill, in Midtown and online, wherever you find yourself today, these spaces are full of amazing, redemptive, resurrected, second chance God stories. That we need to stop being ashamed of. Because we're robbing God of his glory. Listen, the book of Mark, right? I don't know if you know this. The book of Mark was written by Mark, right? But Mark wasn't a disciple of Jesus. Face to face. Mark wrote down Peter's story. Peter dictated, Mark wrote it down. Mark was the first gospel. Therefore, Mark is the first place where we see Peter's denial written down. Peter was not too ashamed of his story to, be, to let it be used for God's glory. Because when Jesus kissed Peter's failure, he turned that failure into victory and to a platform for Peter's ministry that we all now are blessed by. And so let me say this. It's time to stop hiding. It's time to stop wallowing. And it's time to stop living in condemnation because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And there are souls waiting on the other side of you being restored. And what God wants to do right now in this moment is he wants to restore us back to community, back to Christ, and back to our calling. So that maybe, maybe by the time that we leave here today, we might even be able to agree with Peter's final tweet. Restored at seaside breakfast. Jesus believes in me. Jesus loves me. I can do this. Let's give them an opportunity to do it. Let's bow our heads here and across all the campuses. (sighs) Oh, Father, we love you. Father, some of us in here today have done something we just knew that we would never do. We crossed a line that we said that we would never cross. And we have been living under guilt and shame in condemnation for way too long. And way too many of us have gotten really good at putting on a nice church face and walking around like we've got it all together. Our theology is perfect. We never struggle with anything. But Father, what I'm what I'm asking for right now is God, you would begin to create vulnerability in our hearts. God, to those of us who have believed deep down that we are dirty and unacceptable and unusable, right now, God, in the name of Jesus Christ, break those lies off of us. Because there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are found in Christ Jesus. We. Are free indeed. Thank you. God of second chances. Here's the, here's the reality though, as I know this, is that some of us today, we are still struggling with condemnation, but it's because we're not found in Christ Jesus. We've never fallen at the foot of the cross. We've never cast our cares on him. We've never put our faith in him instead of ourselves and our own good works. And so because of that, our sins, are past, our failures are still ever present with us. But here's the good news for us, okay? Is that Jesus is the one who pursued Peter. Think about this, Peter didn't pursue Jesus Peter went and ran away, he was hiding. Jesus took that first step. In a sense, Jesus left the 99 and he pursued the one because that is the ministry of Jesus and he's doing the same thing for you today. God wants you to know this today is that Jesus has time for you He's not too busy. There's not other people who need him more. No, Jesus has time for you. So here's what we're gonna do across all our campuses, wherever you find yourself. If you say, today I need to say yes to Jesus, to repent of my sin, to turn away from the way that I was going and to place my past, my present, and my future in him, then we're gonna take this step and we're gonna pray together and family of God around you, they're gonna pray with you. And this is a holy moment, this is a God moment, that through this, there's a transformative power of God, there's a rescuing that happens, and it's beautiful. And so let's pray like this. Say, Jesus, I feel sinful, I'm dirty, but you are clean, and you are holy, and you live the perfect life, and you went to the cross, and you died in my place. I had wandered away, but you left the 99, and you found me. Today, I admit that I have been found, and I say yes to Jesus. I repent of my sin. I turn from my way, and I come home to go your way. Make me new. Forgive me make me clean, restore me to community, to yourself, and reawaken my calling that I'll live for you the rest of my days, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Here's what we're gonna do, guys, is we're gonna take one more step, okay, across all our campuses, one more step and we're gonna have a moment of reconciliation. All right, and so if you're a prayer leader here in Norcross or in Midtown or in Hamilton, I want you go ahead and come forward to the front. She you go ahead and make your way to the front here. And we're gonna have a moment, okay, while the, while the worship teams play where you may say, hey, I need to be reconciled to community. Maybe you need a James five sixteen moment where you're saying, confess your sins one to another so you may be healed. When was the last time you got vulnerable and you opened up so you could be healed? Maybe you need to take that step. Others of you, you need a shoulder to cry on because this last week or this last month has been heaven. Maybe some of us, we need prayer for healing. Um, Maybe you just gave your life to Jesus. Yes. You need to tell somebody you did. We're gonna give you some next steps for that. And we're gonna take these next few minutes, we're gonna allow God to do what God does best, to restore us. So may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, and may his kindness do you love me do you love me do you love me draw you back to his heart let's be reconciled in jesus name amen